Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcasts. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, that was the song Refugee by one of my all-time favorite artists, the late, great Tom Petty. And I'm going to take a break. We've been on a a series through the Gospel of Mark for for three, four months. I'm taking a a break from that, and uh, I'm starting a new series, and I'm calling it Exiles on Main Street. Now, those of you that might be Rolling Stones fans, you might recognize that title, Exile on Main Street, from their double album, the multi-platinum album, Exile on Main Street, which was released when the band was living abroad as tax exiles from the United Kingdom in 1972. Well, I couldn't really pick a track off of that album to play for everybody this morning, so uh, I picked Tom Petty, and that, I don't know, that might not have been such a good choice, but... I want to ask you this morning, I've got a question that I'd like to ask everyone, and this is going to be what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. Have you ever felt like that you were a refugee, an exile in your own town? You ever felt out of place? You ever felt like I'm not exactly in sync with everybody else around me? Have you felt that way? Well, chances are, if you've ever had to make a stand for your faith, you've probably felt like an exile, a refugee, if you will. Well, the definition of a refugee is a person who has been forced to leave their country in order to escape war and persecution or a national, national disaster. An exile is a state of being barred from one's native country typically for political or for punitive reasons. Well, I don't need to tell you that things have changed quite dramatically just in the last couple of decades. The world we live in probably doesn't resemble what we grew up in, at least if you're my age or maybe older. You look around and things have changed quite a bit. And most of us have lived long enough that we've seen a shift in our culture. And we've also seen quite amazing technical advances. I mean, when I was a kid, the idea of having a video conversation was just amazing to me. And it was something that was on TV or on, on, on movies. The idea that you could actually see someone and talk to them in some other place. Well... Now we don't need need to look any farther than our our own cell phones to be able to have a conversation like that with kids or grandkids or our friends. 
And despite all of the, the good things that technology does, it seems to be used for a lot of bad things. And it seems like with this technology that people, rather than advancing, they seem to be taking steps backward. We can feel that in a place like Brenham, but it's not quite the same as in places like Houston or Austin. But there's been this dramatic shift in our culture. It reminds me of the words of the psalm. Psalm 11, 3 says, The foundations of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? Our former president, Barack Obama, Famously said on the campaign trail in 2008, whatever we once were, we are no longer just a Christian nation. We are also a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation, a Buddhist nation, a Hindu nation, and a nation of non-believers. Now we can say that the influence of these diverse cultures that have come to our shores and their, their different practices, combined with this, this explosion of technology in this digital age, has made a profound effect on our society. And the church, along with much of our society, is struggling to keep up. There's a group called the Barna Group. They're a Christian research organization. They recently concluded an extensive study of faith and practice among millennials. Then it spanned over a decade. And they focused on the, the impact of technology and relationships and the interaction that they have with the church. And they found that the influence of technology and rapid cultural change has had a negative effect and a negative influence on millennials and their relationship to the church. Their conclusion was to apply the biblical metaphor of life in exile to describe the experience of believers in modern culture. And they said in this, this study, if we live as disciples of Jesus, we can expect to experience a life in exile. The Apostle Paul told the church at Rome, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Now, what can we do as exiles that can make a difference on the world that we live in? I mean, do we just go off and hide in a corner? And just wait for Jesus to come and rescue us? The Jewish people in the first century found themselves in a similar type of circumstances. For more than 700 years, if you can imagine this, our country's been around for a little over 250 years. For 700 years, the Jews were occupied by foreign armies, the Babylonians followed by the Persians, followed by the Greeks, and then the Romans. And as a result, there were all kinds of nationalities that were living in Judea. Persians, Greeks, and Romans, as well as Jews. And 
the Jews were the minorities. Exiles, refugees in their own country. And their hope was that the the Messiah would come. The deliverer would come and free them from their oppressors. Well, Jesus was born into these circumstances. And he began his ministry by proclaiming that the kingdom of God was breaking in with him. And in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9, we read this account of what Jesus did. Verse 35 says, Jesus traveled through the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. So what's this good news about the kingdom? Jesus was announcing that the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign, was breaking in And it was now accessible to everyone. The long-awaited time that they were looking for had finally come. The Messiah was here. And to confirm the truth of that message, Jesus healed every kind of disease and illness. Because in the age to come, there will be no sickness. There will be no disease. In all four Gospels, we see his power to heal, as well as his authority over the earthly elements and even evil spirits. But in this passage, there's something that doesn't appear in all the other Gospels. Matthew captured a special message from Jesus to everyone who might have felt like an exile or a refugee in their own culture. We continue on in verse 36 where it says, And when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send workers into his field. These crowds of people that surrounded Jesus were Persians. There were Jews. There were Greeks. The same people who had occupied this territory were part of these crowds that Jesus was looking on. And he looked at them and he saw them as fields that were ripe and ready to be harvested. They were souls that needed to be saved. Now, these people, they might have looked like that they had it all together, but they were still confused and helpless and lonely. And there are people just like the people that Jesus looked at that are right outside of our doors, right on Main Street, if you will, and I, I live on Main Street, so I, 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 I kind of use that quite a bit. But there are people right on Main Street that are ripe and ready to receive the good news of the gospel. <clears throat> Jesus was moved by the sight of these people, the lost and the helpless, and he had compassion on them. And even though he was the Son of God, he was still limited by time and space. Do you realize that? Jesus was on earth as a man. And he could do a lot of things, 
But he couldn't be everywhere at once. He was limited by his physical body. Now, we know later, whenever he went back to the Father, the Holy Spirit came, and then the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. But at that point in time, he was limited. So Jesus instructed his disciples to ask the Lord, who is in charge of the harvest, to send more workers into the field. Now, wait just a second. He also said they were shorthanded. Remember what he said there? The laborers, there's not many laborers in the field. Where were all these other workers come from? Well, I think we can find the answer in a passage that, that some of us have read before. It's in, in the book of Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah wrote about an encounter that he had with the Lord several hundreds of years before Jesus ever walked the earth. And he described his encounter like this. In verse 1, It was the year that King Uzziah died, and I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings, two wings that covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And their voices shook the temple to its foundations. And the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. You ever felt like that? Yet I have seen the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to these people? Who will go for us? And the prophet said, Here I am. Send me. Now, do you see what happened in this passage? A man encountered God himself. I mean, he tried to describe it the best that he could. And he's before the Lord in the temple. And he encounters the Lord. And then God sends that man out as his messenger. Jesus said to ask to send God to send more workers into the field. Well, the workers that he needed, the workers that he wanted, were people just like you and me. Just like the disciples that were there with Jesus, accompanying him on his mission. And like Isaiah, we don't have to do anything but just say yes. He'll make sure that we're prepared to do whatever He called us to do. When I was in Bible college, I heard it said like this. And this is one of my favorite sayings that I I think I've ever heard. 
God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And looking back on my life, I could see that God was calling me from a very young age. Now, if you talk to the people that I grew up with, they, they probably wouldn't say that I was probably the, the one most likely to become a preacher in our church. I was, I'd, I'd, well, I won't go there. But I, I wasn't what anyone would consider to be qualified. You might have noticed every now and then that I have a stammer. And when I get excited, that stammer gets worse. But... When I felt God's calling on my life, I just kept saying yes. And it cost at times. I often felt like when I was in high school and sometimes even in college, I felt like that I was an exile, that I was a refugee among my, my classmates. But I kept saying yes. And for whatever reason, God kept using me and he kept opening doors for me to walk through, to follow his, his calling. The truth is, we all have a choice in answering God's call. We really do. You can say yes. Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. But you can also say no. And God will not override our will. He's not going to make us do something that we decide that we're not going to do. And it's also for easy for us to be afraid or intimidated when we see the world around us. No one's too far for, gone too far for the Lord to reach, to save. Jesus looked at the same kind of people that we see every day and He saw opportunities. A ripe harvest. And I think we need His help to see people the way He sees them. So they can experience the grace that He has for them. Another passage from Paul's letter to the Romans says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Just as sin ruled over all, all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In such a time of, of lawlessness, God's grace will always be more abundant than sin. And that's why Jesus saw the crowds as a ripe harvest. God's grace will rule the day and will be the final word. And in regard to harvesting a crop, it doesn't gather itself. How many of you have ever been involved in, in gathering up crops from the field? Those crops don't come in from the field by themselves, do they, Georgia? Somebody's got to go out there and get them. And sometimes when you're picking things, those, the things that you're picking, they have little, little thorns on them. I'll never forget, there was a lady in our church when I was growing up. Mom remembers her, Burt Stone, 
for whatever reason, and I, I don't know how it happened, but I ended up going with her to pick peas. And we ended up going into a cotton field that was close by the, that, where the peas were. And she wanted me to help her pick some cotton. And I thought that'd be fine. And I'd just go over and just pluck it off. Well, it, those little bowls have little thorns around them. And the first one I tried to grab, it, it pricked me. And I, I jerked my hand back. And, and she just laughed at me. But, the, but that's the thing about the harvest. We have to go gather it. And sometimes it, it, it can be a little uncomfortable. It can, be a, it can be difficult, you know, stooping over for several hours a day. That, that can be hard. And sometimes we have to go out of our way to reach the harvest. Sometimes we have to go out of our way to, to speak to someone and to share something with someone. But that's the nature of the harvest. A friend told me recently of the 36,000 36, plus residents of Washington County, a little over 11,000 in their estimation do not have any association or connection with any kind of church or religious organization whatsoever. That's roughly one-third of our entire county that have no association whatsoever with a church. How can they hear if there's no one to speak to them. That's what Paul said. In the Barna study that I mentioned, they found that over 50% of people reared in church as children left after high school and college and never returned. In the past, we expected that whenever, you know, the kids graduate and they go away and they find jobs and then they, they get married, that, that eventually they'll boomerang and they'll come back on their own, and then they'll, they'll want to be part of the church. Well, that's just not happening anymore. People leave the church and never come back. So we have to go get them. Another study that was conducted by LifeWay Christian Research found that 67% of Americans would consider an invitation to be helpful from a family member to go to church. 67%. And they might consider attending the church just if they were invited. Another 63% would accept an invitation from a friend if they were invited. And then it goes on to say that, that 63% would receive information about a church or a religious organization from a family member, and another 56% would receive that same information and find it helpful if it was coming from a friend. Now, what, what does that information tell us? People are open. They're receptive. They would like for someone that they know to invite them. They'd like for someone that they know to connect with them. So, and I, it might be a little bit uncomfortable, but when was the last time that we invited somebody to come to church with us? If you have to think about it, it's been too long. Really. Invite a neighbor, invite a coworker, 
invite a family member. Jesus told his disciples a parable about a great feast. And as part of the story, they invited these, these guests to come. And as they sent out the invitations, they started getting back the responses. And one said that I have to go do this. Another one says that I can't come. It's, it's not a good time for me. And on and on and on. And, the, and these, these, these rejections kept coming back. Well, the master got frustrated. Because he, he wanted to invite all these guests and nobody would come. And so he goes to the servants and he said, Go out in the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you can find to come. So that my house will be full. That's the attitude of our Father. He wants us to go out. Beat the hedges like... And some of you might have, might have heard that before. But going out and, and trying to, to invite people to come in. To receive from the Lord. Because they're willing. They're ready. They will be receptive. Now I began this morning with Tom Petty singing, You don't have to live like a refugee. And I don't think we have to. This is one of the reasons why we come together as a church. Because we can encourage one another. We can come together and strengthen one another to be able to go out and, and to invite and, and extend that invitation to those who don't know about Jesus. God wants to empower us and encourage us, even as refugees, exiles in this modern culture, to know the joy of sharing the good news of this gospel and taking part in the, the harvest of souls. I believe the Lord wants to see His grace abound in the opportunities that are waiting for us even right here on, on Main Street. Can we stand together this morning? <clears throat>